This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Sean Hamilton and Jim Spence. Back off his boat. He's been cruising, cruising around Europe. Is that the phrase I'm allowed to? Cruising around Europe, oh, I, Jim? I'd be careful with that one, Eric. You know, I mean, I know it's 2023 and all that, you know. <laughs> cruising around Europe and trying to, trying to avoid dirty United results. But oh. anyway, he's, he's, he's come back. There's no escaping from it. This is the, this is the, the post-mortem podcast. So we could be here sometime. And uh, I said, I think, well, we, although Dundee have got a new manager, I think we'll have to start with United, gentlemen, and good grief, where do we start with United? Uh, right, come on then. What's the what was the biggest what, what was the biggest issue, Jim? Was it recruitment and the utter failure in that regard? You know, both both windows. Is that is that where we have to start? Well, there's, there's a combination of things, um, Eric. I mean, what, what particular order they fall into is difficult. And you say post mortem, well, there's a lot to dissect. But I think ultimately, any football club. Everything goes right to the heart of ownership. Now, until the start of the season, Dundee United fans, I don't think, had a lot to complain about. You know, you kind of bear in mind the history. They kind of, you know, the fans wanted, or the bulk, or a great many fans wanted Stephen Thompson out the door when the club was in debt and going badly and all the rest of it, you know. And then they got kind of very short interregnum when Mike Martin and Jimmy Fife came in. They quickly flogged the club onto Mark Ogren. And it seemed as though the club were in good hands. And you certainly cannot um, have a go at Ogren for the money that he's put into the club. He's invested heavily. I think we're talking now about 13 million, you know, down. Um, and until the start of the season, Everything was going fine. We knew the model they wanted, kind of bring their own through, youth academy, sell them on, maybe we are a scattering of kind of um, experienced players. That model seemed to imperceptibly change, you know, when suddenly the kind of youth, the youth element um, went in the background and uh, we started to see more expensive players uh, coming in, brought in by uh, Tony Asgard, as sporting director, and handed to, well, at that time, um, you know, Liam Fox, uh, the manager then, of course, would change the manager and all the rest of it. But um, things were off to a swimming start with a win against Alkmaar. Um, then they came seriously badly adrift with two real hammerings, 7-0 from Alkmaar, 9-0 from Celtic, um, which saw Jack Ross depart the building very, very quickly indeed. Then Fox went and then, you know, um, uh, and Jim Goodwin's come in. So there's been a combination of things, you know. Um, uh, some people would say a sporting director who... Um, you know, pretty much ran the show and and towards the end badly. And some people suggesting he did it for his own benefit and his own profit. Now, none of us know this. I mean, you know, Mark Ogren, I don't think, you know, is a fool. And he he put the man in charge uh, to to run the club. We know he's gone now. Some people hint he's behind the scenes and all the rest. I don't know if that's true. None of us know that. But the bottom line is quite simply is that from ownership right through the structure of the club to recruitment, um, this season has been an abject disaster. Um, on the field, in January in particular, when things were going badly, they failed to recruit a decent goalkeeper because Birgit has been a disaster. They failed to recruit probably, um, certainly a, a really creative midfielder. You know, they've had the issues with Levitt and all the rest of it who had injury, but then just seems to have disappeared completely, went off the boil. So a creative midfielder, somebody who could spot a pass, feed the front men. They needed pace. They had no real pace on the wings. Niskanen was the closest they got, but bluntly was a headless chicken at times. And up front, um, because of the crazy decision, in my view, to get rid of Nicky Clark, who was an outstanding success at St. Johnson, uh, partner with, with, with Stevie May, um, that left Stephen Fletcher, a 36-year-old, ploughing um, you know, a lone furrow 
trying to hold the ball up, win the ball, hold the ball up, um, lay it off to no one in particular, no support, you know, and, and try to do the impossible. And Fletcher is one of the few people actually I think emerges with any success from from the season. So you're a combination of things from the ownership not keeping their eye on the ball, sporting director getting recruitment badly wrong, um, the players um, either simply not having it. And I've tried to, you know, many of us try to fight the corner saying there's actually a good squad and they're trying to get out. But, you know, the league table never lies. And in fact, that, that squad just simply wasn't good enough, uh, almost to a man. Very difficult to see actually how Jim Goodwin resurrects with anything other than a very, very basic nucleus of that squad. So ownership at the top took its eye off the ball. Um, Recruit, recruitment, you know, the sporting director uh, got things badly wrong, um, with, with, you know, particularly in that January window. And the playing staff can't hold their heads up with any great degree of pride um, either. So it's been a, a disastrous season start to finish. And they're now in the championship with absolutely no guarantee of a quick bounce back. All right, Sean, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of that's, a lot of that's been well trodden over the course of the season. We, we know... I don't. I don't think we need to go back over the recruitment stuff because it's been covered weekly or mm-hmm. fortnightly, or whatever it was, by us and paper by fans. I don't think anybody's putting up a case to say United had either a good summer window in terms of the balance of their squad or a January a good January window in terms of failing to rectify glaring glaring errors and gaps in their team. So. That's that's what it is. I think I do have a I do have a shorter hit list though of people who and Jim kinda of touched on it there. We can start with Mark Ogren. People who I think have maybe not escaped but have got a better press than others. And I think Ogren's one of them. I think just because you're generous in terms of the money you're putting in and you know, deep pockets, blah blah blah. That's not where being the leader of an organisation like Dundee United begins and ends. There have been mistakes after mistakes this season and ultimately they're under his watch. And I think he's had a he's had a terrible year as much as others. Um I'm 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 less uh, I'm less inclined to go with you all the way on that one because I, I do obviously give me, give me a couple of good decisions he's made this year. Then let's let's. No, let's, that's let's, not <laughs> what I'm saying either. What <laughs> what, I, what I'm going to say is that yeah, he's the money man, but I mean, when you're in that position, you, you're often in the in a fortunate position whereby you get to delegate things to people, and I think that's obviously the decision he's taken, and I, and and the decision that he's taken having. I'm sure probably assessed his own knowledge of the game of football and decided, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit wanting here, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore uh, has gone with a man to look after it for him, if you like. And that man was obviously Tony Asker. So um, that initially seemed to be going all right. I think we were, we were you know, full of praise for for. Tony Asker's recruitment over the first couple of years, certainly. Um, but it, it, it definitely went to pot towards the end and it was it was exceptionally bad in the ways that you've you've highlighted there. But um I mean when it when it came to it and and Tony Asker left the club, um I mean I, I'm not sure to what extent you can say it was that Mark Ogren's decision. I'm we don't not know sure. yet, do we? We don't know, no. do we? 
because has I mean, he, has I, he done an interview? Has he done well, a no. media interview since? I know that we post Liam I mean, Fox. I, don't I know that, that, that Alan Temple has. Uh, every time he's been over, he's he's, he's asked to speak to him, but um, no, we we haven't been afforded that that chance. So no, I mean, in terms of directly asking that question, we haven't we haven't really had the opportunity to do so yet. Um, at this stage, so we don't know whether that was that was Mark Ogren taking taking a tighter grip of the situation and saying no, that's the end of it, you, you have to go, or whether it was whether it was Tony Asker's own decision uh, to walk away, if you like. Um, but I do I do think um, he's somewhat insulated from a, most of the blame on the football side because of the position that he was in initially, which was. I'm here with the money. I'll put you in place to look after the the, the ins and outs of it because I I don't have the depth and knowledge required to do this properly. Um, so yeah, the res- I think the responsibility for that side of things fell on Tony Asgar's shoulders, and ultimately he's he's paid the price for that because he's uh, he's no longer in a job. Um, at this point, yeah, I mean you could you could make the argument. I mean the the. <laughs> Not much may have changed in terms of Mark Ogren's knowledge of running a football club or whatever. I'm sure he's picked up some things along the way, you know. But um, evidently, there's there's still a um, a chief executive there in the shape of uh, Luigi Capuano now. Um, so there's another 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 man in place, if you like, um, who obviously Mark Ogren's uh, comfortable with. I suppose at this point, what you, what you would what you would want to see from Mark Ogren is maybe slightly more engagement with with what's going on um, and, and, and possibly given I mean there, there's been a, a hell of a lot of money spent as we as we've touched on and I know that I mean <clears throat> from reading Alan Temple's uh, sort of post-mortem of the season if you like um, <clears throat> when he was when Mark Ogren was over in I think it was November just before the January window, uh, window the, the sort of the mood of the conversations that he was having was very much sort of right. Well, the ex- the levels of expenditure that we've seen up to now are 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 going to come down mm-hmm. at the this point. Was pulled up exactly. So um, under those circumstances, <clears throat> yeah, I think he has been a little bit more proactive um, in terms of tightening the belt, if you like, because mm-hmm. before there was certainly a perception that it was just well, here's effectively here's a blank check, go and do what you want with it. Um, but now that's that's evidently that's that's not the case. Uh, but they do still have a hell of a lot of players on a lot of money, and going into the championship that is potentially problematic unless Mark Ogren is going to be willing to reverse that decision and put more money in. So um, there, there, it's definitely I don't I don't blame them too much for for football wise where the club has found itself now because I think he delegated that to someone else, but. I think it's now at a point where where he he's very much going to be required here in terms of setting setting a tone and um setting a direction for the business if you like and and that means financially above all else um mm-hmm. initially well, so yeah it's it's time for him to, time for him to step in I think yeah he can't be he has to yeah he has to get a grip on what the new Dundee United will be, Jim, doesn't he? Because I mean, it's always struck even in the even in the sort of the good times of uh, on their way up in their first season, first couple of seasons under under Ogren and Ascar. United, Jim, have always struck me as a club that have got 
frank, quite frankly, a hell of a lot of people kicking around. You know, there's a lot of club ties and, you know, mm. new fancy jumpers and all the rest of it. You know, you just and you just look in the stand and and on around the pitch on a match day and United do feel like a, a club that has a lot of people and you're thinking, what what, what do they do and, and are they necessary? Do you get that vibe as well, Jim? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I always remember giving advice to somebody who's contemplated buying the club and he said he would think about putting it in administration when Thompson had it because there were so many people uh, there, you know. Now, uh, you know, once I pointed out they, they actually had to pay wages and 15-point deductions, he kind of cooled on that idea. Never bought the club anyway, of course. Uh, but frankly, the number of people that employed at United under Thompson is negligible by comparison to what you see now. Now, mm-hmm. you know, much of that are down to kind of, I think, football regulations you you need a battery of staff for a whole many things these days. So, to some extent, I cut my wee bit of slack on that. But it does look as though that there is a, a, a kind of a very heavy kind of burden of staff. But to, to to come back to the Ogren thing, I think the key thing is I think you know um, when you think back to his press conference, I think most people in the room that day when he said he thought he could make money in Scottish football kind of looked asking something because who makes money in Scottish football? Eric? Let's be honest about it. You know, I mean, the, the only two clubs that. I would actually class as a, a real success, certainly in the top flight, are, are Celtic and Saints. You know, they're, they're both uh, very, very well-run clubs. I mean, Peter Law, gone and now back as chairman, I think, you know, at Celtic has made a great job. at The Browns at St. Johnson, you know, have made a spectacular success around the club fiscally, uh, uh, you know, excellently. They're the only two clubs I can think of that, that, that have really come up with kind of flying colours. Um, so... You're then left asking yourself again, why did Ogren buy Dundee United? What was it for? Did he genuinely think he could make money out of it? Wouldn't be the first time a rich man has been, you know, easily kind of, I don't even mean manipulating it or something, but has fancied something, liked the idea of something, and thought he maybe knew better than the folks um, who are actually here. Um, did, the, you know, did... Tony Asgar and, and his, his Revolution Sports uh, Company think that, that they also could, you know, um, reinvent the wheel by bringing people in. I mean, you know, Peter, Peter Jimmy Marr tried to do this at Dens, bring players in and sell them on at a massive pro. There's nothing new in football. I mean, it's, it's, how, it's how football's operated since the professional days. Um, but you've got to have, there's a couple of things that have got to be absolutely spot on in that, that respect. You've got to have a great eye for talent, for emerging markets that you can buy cheaply and sell on. United patently didn't have that. I tried to do it through a youth system. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I love the idea, youth system, rearing your own and all the rest of it. Increasingly, I'm not sure it works. All you do is wash your face, yeah. you know, because with the modern compensatory regimes, unless a player stays with you until he's about 22, 23, and then you sell him on for a really big fee, what's the point of bringing a boy through who maybe plays a dozen or 15 games and you sell him on to Aston Villa or something like that? And the headline figure is a million pounds, but you know, in fact, it's worth about 150 grand um, because there's so many add-ons to make up the mm-hmm. the headline figure that we hear about, you know? so And that- frankly, Jim, I think Dundee, from, from my perception of speaking, to people and just just by looking at the players that have come through mm. I think Dundee are doing a better job than United well, uh, in terms of that and and at a much much less expense you know there's no there's no nothing it's far less grandiose they're, they're whatever mm-hmm. I can't remember how they class the tiers yeah. you know and all the rest they're, just, they're doing absolutely fine and they're bringing people through yeah. in, the, in the first team and, and you know and it's and going right down the, down the lines I you always know. thought that with United uh-huh. it, they did not need all the bells mm-hmm. and whistles mm-hmm. that they were going for, because ultimately, 
you're going to be getting the same kids in anyway. You're not going to be. They're not bringing in kids from from Spain and all the yeah. rest of it. They're not bringing in kids from down south. Mm. They're probably not even getting in kids who mm-hmm. would be going to Rangers and Celtic. They'll get. They'll be getting the same kids they would have been getting otherwise. And you know, Dundee are mm. doing it. On a, on, a, on a shoestring compared to United. Well, I mean, the, the thing is now, like, I mean, you know, we, we can, I suppose to some extent we're going over old ground, kind of, you know, uh, playing the blame game and all the rest of it. The thing is now what happens now, I mean, they've got, as, as Sean said, that Luigi Capuano is, is, is now kind of, you know, the man in charge inheriting Tony uh, Tony Asgar's mantle. Now, he was, I think, uh, part of that Revolution Sports uh, group. He's got great experience in terms of UEFA, FIFA and all the rest of it. And I thought initially, you know, it looked as though he's maybe kind of, you know, he'd handled, he'd handled the coming in well and the, the Goodwin appointment and all the rest of it. A great deal now falls on his shoulders um, as, oh, yeah. as, as to how the club actually plan for next season. And and, and there are many things there. I mean, I, I think that, um, no doubt we're going to look at you know Dundee and Saints shortly, but looking at United, you would look at not just the team, you would look at that squad and think, who do you keep from that squad? I mean, I know that, yeah. you know, already I'm looking at kind of, you know, the players who have gone, none of them surprise me, but who do you keep? Who can you get rid of? It's very, very easy to say, you know, our players' contracts up and all the rest of it. But if you if you're sitting on three and a half grand a week at Tardis Park, albeit you don't fancy the championship, but the best offer you've got is from St Mirren or, or St Johnson on fourteen or fifteen hundred quid a week. You might be tempted just to sit and take, you know, and the one does Jim, your money. The vast majority of them don't have relegation clauses, which no, speaks that, to well, a sort of arrogance, you know, that that shouldn't have been. Yeah. Shouldn't have been there, you know. Yeah, you, you know, they're not Celtic or Rangers, done <coughs> no, United. Well, they have to be a, a open to the possibility yeah. that you could have a bad well, season. The prob- and I, you could- I always think the problem with that one, Eric, is and all what fans say they should, and you, I, I think you should have those in it. But if a player will not sign a relegation clause and come at the club, then you then you have that difficult balancing out. How how badly do I want this player? Am I prepared to sign him without a relegation clause? And do we really feel in our heart hearts there's no chance of us being relegated? So I think you know the various factors at play there. But the very fact that you say, and I'm hearing exactly the same, no relegation clauses is frightening. It's actually frightening because you know yeah. the, the the income the income that will be generated in the Premiership is nothing like the income that United will be able to generate in uh, in the Championship. There's another thing as well, and I suppose it's a good thing. I'm sure now to be player about this at the. Um, at Tony Dockery's press, press conference the other day. Once you fall out the Premiership, you know, who, who's interested? The, the bulk of the media are not interested in the Championship. They're just not interested. So right away, you lose all that. You lose, you know, um, sponsors see that their name isn't being, isn't being kind of punted around as much. Great for local, uh, for, you know, local press. Uh, uh, like DC Thompson's uh, Evening Telegraph, Dundee Courier. That's great. The rest, of, the rest of the Scottish media will have a, a disinterest uh, in Dundee United next season because the championship, frankly, isn't worth watching. That's the bottom line. It's a poor, it's a poor league, poor quality league, and, and there's no money in it. Um, so there are all of these things to take into account. And when you take into account, you've got a squad, a great many still under contract, a great many who, who probably do want to move but are not prepared to move unless they get weighed in properly, you know, um, and there's no relegation clause there, then the picture doesn't look very bright. There's a big, big job in the hands of Luigi Capuano, and there's a big, big job in the, on, on the hands of uh, Jim Goodwin. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the piece today in the Courier with Glenn Middleton talking about, you know, you know, the manager oh. said we're too nice, we've got to change that look. You can't, you know, and I, I don't believe the nice guys win nothing, but it's very, very hard to change the mentality of a football player. Very hard. By the time you're 22, 23, 24, if there's a softness there, if there's an element of you that isn't a really, really hard, you know, a really hard bloke, 
Um, in terms of your mentality as a football player, I don't think you can inculcate that. So, bluntly, um, I, I think there's a there's a major, major job to be done there in terms of your recruitment and the right kind of people that, that need to be brought in. And, there's, you know, the bulk of the players there, I think, just won't cut it for next season. Not in the championship. And Sean, mm. and Sean it's all a few weeks ago, but just before Goodwin was appointed, there was... Mm-hmm. There was this uh, consortium lurking in the background who oh, yeah. weren't actually putting their heads above the parapet. That's gone, mm-hmm. all gone very quiet. I thought if if this was going to be if they were going to be serious, this would be the week when they would start to either up their PR campaign or actually, you know, well, more importantly, <laughs> up their up their their efforts to actually buy the club. But there doesn't seem to be any any sight or sound of that happening just now, does it? Uh, no, there's, there's there's no real PR effort to speak of. Um, certainly, I mean, who who knows? Maybe maybe they're engaged in conversation uh, privately with Mark Ogren yeah. or what have you. That's possible. <clears throat> um, I suspect not. Um, I, I I I don't know. I'm kind of I when it comes to like buying the club, I put myself in put yourself in Mark Ogren's position, right? So you're you're you're, you're not sleeping this, at night. <laughs> well yeah. You bought this football club, you're 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 into it for the to the tune of what, thirteen million, that's the number that gets thrown around, something like that. So you you've got all that money in it. Now it really becomes at this point you've been relegated. Is there, is there a buyer sniffing around? Okay, there is potentially, right? So the question actually becomes, how much are you willing to leave behind on the table? Because I don't, I just don't think you're getting it all back if you sell right now. Nowhere near. No way. So it becomes a question of how much are you willing to walk away from? Um, and it may well be that the answer is nothing. Um then again, it may well be that the answer is you know, a certain amount. I don't know. But um, we would have to see this PR strategy and then the, the actual move being made for us to find that out. Yeah. Um, no, and I, I don't see any signs of it. No, it just it just struck me just as we were speaking, you know, that, that it has gone it has gone all quiet. Listen, before we move, unless Jim, if you you're looking I can, oh, well, I can see you're looking at, you're gonna break some news for us, Jim, no, aren't uh, you? No, no, no break news, but I, I when, when I was on when I was away finding my sea legs doing my Captain Birdseye impression on the on the cruise from Dundee, I I, I kinda had a few drinks and uh, had a long chat with a, 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 a quite a well known former football chairman. Um, not, not too far away from, from these parts and we're talking generally about this about consortiums and all the rest of it and you know the truth of the matter is that very often there are people about football who like the ego trip and, and all that sort of stuff of being involved and maybe being involved and fancying around a football club and, all, and often it comes to nothing you know because there's publicity in it there's ego in it they might well actually want to do it but finding the wherewithal to do it finding you know that wherewithal to meet the desires of the, of the seller to sell at a certain price and all the rest of it um, it's a difficult thing and you know, I mean, I, I look at, I'm not saying that United are for sale. I mean, because I, I think Mark Ogden is probably in a situation where he's going to sit tight for the moment. He doesn't want to take a massive hit. And I can only see him getting rid of Dundee into by taking a massive hit on his investment. So you look at, you know, I look at St. Johnson, I think, there's St. Johnson up for sale. Has anybody actually bought the club? Is, is anybody going to buy the club? Jeff's probably wanting about, what, 12 million for that a club. It's actually sitting on a, a pile of land that's worth about 20 million. But if you looked at the brutal realities, you say it's worth twenty million. It would only be worth twenty million if you're not McDermott partner, wouldn't it? And Bill Houses, and you're not going to do that. And Tannadice, I think, is in a different ball game. Tannadice Park, in building terms, you know. And I spoke to people in the game. 
with, with buttons. You know, what would you build? It would be social housing in that area of town. Um, it's only really saleable as a football asset to, to retain as, as a football ground. You could probably sell Gussie Park, the training ground, although they've put a lot of money into that. That's not worth a lot of money. So, I mean, how does Mark Ogren recoup, if he was trying to sell to a consortium, how does he recoup anything approaching the 13 million quid he's put in? So he's maybe just sitting thinking, well, look, fine, I'm in for the long haul. I'm going to, have a, I'm going to continue. I can turn this around. We don't know what's in his mind. I mean, other than the brief conversation I had with him last year on the phone, you know, he, he, he by and large is a, a pretty quiet character. He doesn't yeah, speak much guess to what, anyone. Isn't you know? it ultimately yeah, yeah. As far, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have people that let out, no. you know, let things into the sort of, you know, off the record type stuff. He's, it's he's not the usual much, kind of much, people, no. much like the Americans at Dundee, to be honest. That's right. You, you, you get very, very little. It's a different type of ownership uh, model. You know, they, they, they release very few uh, bits and bobs into, uh, into the media generally that can be fed in and, and we can gossip about, frankly. So I, I don't know what his plans are. I mean, for the moment, Lucius is going to sit tight. I, I, I'm very sceptical about any consortium, any of the, the boys out there, as Stephen Thompson used to rail against. <laughs> there were always boys out there that were going to buy the club, you know, and, and inevitably they turned out to be nonsensical. I mean, let's be blunt. I mean, United tried to punt, uh, uh, you know, Stephen Thompson tried to punt United initially and couldn't get rid of them. Then Mike Martin and Jimmy Fife, um, you know, they, they managed to uh, find Tony, uh, Mark Ogre, sorry, Mark Ogre is a buyer, but Tony Asgard was the guy who did the deal. Um, that kind of came together. But there were no queue buyers by, uh, queuing up to buy United that I know of when, when Ogre stepped in. And I doubt very much if there's uh, a queue of buyers by at the moment, there may be a couple of can, couple of groups of people looking, thinking, but wouldn't mind doing that. But can they really come up with the money that the Ogren would require? I don't think so. I think he'll sit tight for a wee while, yeah, unless he's prepared to take yes. a massive hit, and I don't think he will be. Right, Sean. One last theme I think I want to cover with United before before we move on to to Dundee is Jim Goodwin. Now, I mean, mm. I want to. I, I'll preface this by saying I do think it was the right decision to give him the a permanent deal two mm-hmm. years um, but I've steadily I've got less impressed as the as his short tenure has gone on than than you know than the other way around I do have yeah on the list of folk who are culpable he's down the bottom quite frankly mm-hmm. with yeah, everything that absolutely. with everything he took over blah 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 all the rest of it but I don't think I don't think we can gloss over the fact that he had a bad, and, and I, I think, was it irretrievable? Who knows? But United have been cut adrift by a lot. To lose all five of their post-split matches, even with mm. that squad, was utterly unacceptable. And I do think he, in terms of the vibe, he, where it all went wrong for United, in terms of the last stage of the season, was that gap between the, the last of the pre-split fixtures going into the fortnight, going into the first one that they had at McDermott Park. And I, I, I had, a, had a feeling at the time that the vibe coming out of Tannadice, St Andrews, was was all wrong. You know, that if you cast your mind back, there was the open training session, there was the interviews with Goodwin himself, the general vibe I was getting was they thought, ah, here we are now. We've won our three games. This is this is the real United now. We're going to go into this and we're going to we're going to look to pick off the next team above the team above that. You know, it's you know, forget the play, forget relegation, forget the playoffs. We're we're going to be absolutely fine. That was mm-hmm. that was the message. And I'm not saying I'm, it's not for me to say how 
where it came from, but it was also the same time that there was a story out there saying, oh, you know, there's other interest in Jim Goodwin. United better hurry up and, you know, get him on his new contract. It all it all fed into a team that and a club that was overinflated what they'd actually done on that three-game winning run. And, I've, you know, that, that, that sort of vibe, that feeling... All stems from a manager, in my opinion, and I think I think he he got that wrong. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, well, I mean, certainly the the St Johnston one was at the time picked up uh, by St Johnston fans um, mm-hmm. because I think the the wording that was that was that was highlighted by Saints fans was uh, he was talking about when we catch St Johnston. Yeah. It was careless it was at best, wasn't it? it was careless <laughs> yeah. at best. And obviously, it it didn't happen uh, that way. Uh, so it becomes a be- at which point it becomes a stick with which to beat him for person Johnson fans certainly anyway, um, yeah I mean I think we've had this discussion before about some of these things and 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 when managers he maybe dispute that he was attempting mind games or anything like that but but, but when managers do go down that road, um, you know this history is written by the victors isn't it I think we've said this mm-hmm. before. And it didn't it didn't go to plan for Jim Goodwin there, um, and therefore, you know, it raises questions about it. But you know, had 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 they had they won that game, then he looks like a genius. Uh, it just it just so happened that it didn't go that way. Um, I I I I do think he's. I I would have if if I were dishing out that job, I would have given it to Jim Goodwin. So would I. Um, so would I. Yes. Yeah. They don't need any more. Moving no. parts do they at the moment? United no. need a bit of stability somewhere. Yeah, they do. But I, I, I think more importantly now, I think I think they they, they need a reasonable sized squad reshaping, don't they? And that means moving some people out as well as, as yeah. bringing some people in. He's going to get half that St. Mon squad, isn't he? All those boys released. <laughs> wait, you see, wait, you see them end up at Tannerice. Joe Shaughnessy. Joe Shaughnessy at Tannerice. Curtis yeah. Main, you can see it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Aye, no. They, they, he needs he needs to to reshape that team um, because I, I for I mean for various reasons, but the main one for me being I don't think you can go through a season as as traumatic as the last one that Dundee United have just had and uh, have a squad emerge from that completely unscathed and everyone's in a great mood and we're, we're ready to go forward and take on another season I think there's too much is too much has happened uh, too much too much bad stuff has happened you know it's two man three man they're on the third manager of the season so that's two uh, you know two managers sacked during the course of the season some seriously heavy defeats um, there are gonna there are gonna have been some discussions amongst those players, probably some arguments, probably some probably some barneys, you know. These things happen. Um and I, I just I get the feeling that, that that group as a group it's gonna need therapy, man. <laughs> so uh, I, I suspect I suspect the the easier way to do that is just to is just to break that up a little bit and, and bring some new some new sort of key guys in. Uh, and I think that'll that'll be what we'll see. Tim Goodwin do. Kind of got, I've got visions now of kind of uh, that treatment table room at Tannadice with kind of one wardroom room for mm-hmm. kind of tight hamstrings and torn hammies and the next one for mm-hmm. the guys with the white coats. Take his, take, his, take his seat, yeah. sir, you know. <laughs> Jim Goodwin then, Jim, you finish us off. Yeah, you? I, mean, Jim Goodwin. Th- I mean, I mean... Would you I, give him out of 10? 
Um, so far, six and a half, uh, maybe six, six and a half, something like that. Maybe, maybe even heading towards seven. I think he's oh. he, he was he was nah, six and a half would be fine. He, 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 <laughs> he, he, he was caught. He was caught. I think between the double and the deep blue sea. That that you know, three wins all came off the you know the wheels came off the wagon after that Saints thing. There's a fine line between trying to talk. You're talking it up for the fans. You're trying to talk the players up. Basically, at that stage, you, you, you're you're searching for everything in the mind game department. You're thinking, how can I turn this around? What can we do to kind of to positive, positively kind of turn this around, incentivize these players and all the rest of it? Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that if Jim Goodwin had his chance. You know, there would have been very, very few of those players he would have picked in his own squad. But you've got to try and turn them around, and you you kind of make a silk purse of South Zealand, as they say. Eric. I mean, I think we sometimes expect far too much from managers. That's why I'm going to come to Tony Doherty thing, no doubt. But that's why I'm delighted that Doc has got such a fresh canvas to to work with at Dens Park. Um, you come in and you make your own mind up on things. I mean, you know, Jim Goodwin inherited uh, a squad of, of guys, I think many of whom had a weak mentality, many of whom were far too comfortable, uh, many of whom just weren't prepared to dig deep enough. Uh, the, the big test for Jim, of course, comes next season. I mean, well, actually comes over the next mm-hmm. coming weeks when we start to see the kind of squad he's going to assemble, how well they tend, to, how, how well they get, or how easily they get staff off the books, because that's the big thing now, you know, getting short of people, and it's, it's sometimes easier said than done. Um, so the big test comes but I mean was he the right man for the job I think so I mean who else would you have gone for that's what you always ask yourself who else is out there who would you have gone for um, you give him another crack at, uh, a crack at it but the, the collapse of that squad I think was was you know after the St Johnson game to, to lose five in the bounce was her end. I mean, I think it was thirteen goals they lost, wasn't it? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I told you all you needed to know about the, the, the kind of the mind, the mindset, and and the hunger and, and the attitude and the desire of that squad of players. And frankly, there's no many I think they want to keep. So it's it's a complete, it's a rebuilding process. This um, at Tannadice completely, you know. But um, I think next next season's the big test for him. I, I think mm-hmm. he probably has to probably has to do a Robbie Neal from Hearts and bounce back in one. Um, no guarantee that they will. That's going to be a, mm-hmm. a brutally tough league next season to get out, as it is every season. Yeah. Right, John, Tony Doherty. I mean, Dundee went from, well, they sounded out the likes of uh, Neil Lennon, Robbie Nielsen, Callum mm-hmm. Davison was the, the one who was the closest to, uh, mm-hmm. to taking it before they went into kind of stage two of their uh, recruitment process. Yeah. And then they interviewed at least, at least two probably more mm-hmm. um, and they've they, they've always got the element of surprise Dundee haven't they they managed Absolutely, to keep that one they yeah. did well to keep it quiet and Tony Doherty as the mm-hmm. new manager um, absolute guesswork isn't it from on our part as to yeah. whether Tony's going to be the right man for that job you know it's, yeah. it would be a hard it'd be a hard hard gig for a with, you know when you step up from from mm-hmm. number two to, to manager Mm-hmm. None of us know if, if you know, there have been those that have have been naturals yeah. and they've actually been more, we found out subsequently that they've been more a manager than a coach. I think Steve mm-hmm. McLean could be one of them, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so, but Tony Doherty has been coaching for so long, we all just become used to, we just think of him, we're McInnes, don't we? And that, mm-hmm. that, that's how we see him. Yeah, He has the Gordon's tracking connection, whether you think mm-hmm. that's a good or a bad thing. He has the coaching credentials. He's very good. I think we've already seen. He's very good in front of a camera and a and a dictaphone. We don't know what he'll be like as the man who is going to a stand up to John mm-hmm. Nelms gone striking. You know, be strong, and we don't know if he'll be a natural manager. So 
you know, there's nothing to inform that yet, is there, Sean? No, no, there's not. But I mean, I mean, as he was at pains to point out himself, uh, you know, having 700 games under your belt as an assistant to to Derek McInnes, a good manager, doesn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so he's he's got a, he's got a good grounding um, in the in the whole thing. So um, I'm sure he'll have things that he's taken from Derek McInnes. I'm sure he'll have things that he'll think are his own ideas and he'll, that he'll want to pursue. Um, but I, I mean, personally, I, I, I've I, seen some people say, oh, he's never done the job before. I'm not, you know, all that stuff. I, I, I don't subscribe to that necessarily. I, I think he's, um, I think he's, he's, he's served a more than, a more than acceptable apprenticeship yeah. uh, to, to get that gig. Um, and I, I, I mean, again, it's it's guesswork to a certain extent. But I, I mean, from from speaking to players and and such like over the years, let's see, I used to cover Aberdeen an awful lot when I worked for the Sunday Post when he was up there with with Derek McInnes. And I know that that, that he's he's always been well liked by players that I've spoken to uh, as well. Um, so I, I mean, I tend to think that these things bode well. Um, and, and my gut feeling is that I think he'll do quite well um, at Dundee. What will be interesting is to see who he who he brings in as his number two. Yeah, uh, because yeah. that's not a situation he's ever he's obviously ever yeah. been in before. So it'll be interesting to see what what sort of type uh, that he brings in to do to do the stuff that he used to do. If you like, well, yeah, I don't think I'd I'd like to I'd like him to stay as much as possible, but he can't because he, there's a lot more to a manager than a coach. But I would like to. Mm-hmm. To think he should be as close what, to being a coach, yeah, being a coach yeah. manager as he possibly can, you know, with somebody mm-hmm. to help him. Because I don't think all of a sudden he should suddenly think I'm going to be the man that will just stand there and watch somebody else do the work. If that's mm-hmm. what you've been very good at, then yeah. you know, stay involved in it as much as you possibly can. You know, Jim. I mean, he he, he came across very well. You were on his press conference, but you know, we all <sighs> this is going to be a tough, tough gig for mm-hmm. whoever took it took it on so yeah. um, well no one was at his press conference Sean will testify he name checked me in his opening question so he knows who the important people are there, you know? <laughs> no I mean listen I don't know if that's a good no, answer yeah. worry, no, was he blaming you for something no, pro- probably well used to be Sean's right I mean you know Sean was at Petordia a lot I was often at Petordia working trackside and all the rest and Doc quite often Doc would would, would be the man you know after the game if, if Derek McInnes wasn't doing it for, for whatever reason Doc was Doc was regularly there he's yeah he very he, occasionally did he, it McDermott yeah, not like fingers he, of one hand type thing over, over he's a very thing. good communicator he's a he, he's a real positive force of energy I think that's one of the things I like him he's got great positivity mm-hmm. about him I think he, he, he drives players as the assistant manager he, he would have been it's, you know the assistant manager always got that intriguing role the kind of the go between between the boss and the dressing room you've kind of got to be on the one hand you've got to be the boss's man but you've got to be a player's man as well it's it's a it's a fascinating role and given the number of games he's, he's got under his belt which is quite phenomenal um, you know, is it, over, is it 750 games or something like that as an assistant manager? Yeah, yeah. The experience, yeah. the experience, because he, he's an intelligent, he's an intelligent guy, Tony Doherty. So 
the experience he will have picked up um, can only be translated in, into management. I don't think it will be um, much more than a hop step jump for him to to do that. I think Sean makes a good point. Does okay. I think much de- much depends on who he brings in as his assistant because that's and, and I think it will be somebody he'll bring in who he gets on very well with. I know it's a, it's a great idea in football to um, to bring in somebody who will tell you what you're doing wrong and all the rest. That's that's fine. But you, you know you can bring in a mate that'll do that. You know that's what good mates are for. So I think you'll bring in some. Somebody he knows quite well. Um, he, he does have. He talked about leaning on Gordon Strachan uh, as well. The ability to do that, whatever that means in practice, I, I'm never entirely sure. But combination of things. How, I mean, how how well will Dundee back him in the transfer market? How how well will they back him when it comes to signing players? All of these things are important. But pretty sure. He didn't go into it with his, with his eyes closed, you know, that's for sure. I mean, and, and already, this, I mean, I see within the last few minutes, Dundee on their website saying that that's Paul McGowan away. I haven't spoken to him, that they've confirmed that he's um, that he's leaving the club at the end of his current contract in the summer. So there's another one away. I mean, they're down to, I know they've signed a couple. Cammy Kerr's re-signed, the goalie's re-signed, legs in. So, you know, he'll be starting to put his squad together. He's got kind of pretty much a free hand to bring in the kind of players he wants. And he talked, Sean, didn't he, about kind of the right kind mm-hmm. of players, hunger and appetite and all the rest. And I think he's had all the right notes, I think, for Dundee. I think a lot a lot of people, I think, were, were surprised to hear Tony say, listen, I've lived in the city 18 years. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's been here. When he was at the Dons, he travelled. When he was at um, Kilmarnock, he, 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 you know, he, he had you know, living a flat down there, but he, he retained his home base in the city, and he does know the you know, city. He knows what kind of he's makes got a cheek Dundee saying he was living in Dundee while he was working in Bristol. But yeah, well, it's, that's a stretch. I mean, I know it's a stretch. I know, but um, the family were based here, so he does know the city. He knows the demands of the club and all the rest. That what that actually translates to, you know. I, mean, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the great skit with Ian Five. Uh, uh, is it Ian Five Ankles? You know, we talk about. He, he knows the club. He knows the club. You know, quite often it means nothing, but um, but the bottom line is he does know the club. He, he, he or he knows. The city, um, that might be a benefit to him. It could be a noose, you, you just never know. But I just, I just have a feeling that it might, irrespective of whether he's first or second or third on the list, I just have a feeling it might be one of these ones that actually falls into place quite neatly that, that nobody ever expected. You know, I don't think anybody expected when they signed Gary Bayer um, that you know they would go into um, to you know win promotion in his first season. Now. You know, I did ask him whether he would go for a nucleus or maybe kind of home-based players, given that the bulk of his experience has been here. Um, he does know the game very well in Scotland. You know, he, 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 he will know. Will, I think he'll go 80, plus 80 90% yeah, Scottish. I, I, I do as well. I, I, but, he, I mean, he knows he, he knows the Scottish scene inside out. So I, I think it could be, you know, getting carried away here. No suggestion for a minute Dundee are going to make top six. And it will be, it'll be a struggle for them. Um to retain their, their premiership status. But I think, you know, on, on, on the face of it, to me, um, it looks like a, a very decent move, you know, and uh, we all hope he does well naturally because he's one of these guys we all get on well with in the game. But I just think that he's got a massive amount of experience. I mean, there's, there's managers to the game who have not got a tenth of experience that Tony Doherty's got, you know, in terms of what, what, you know, the clubs he's been at. And, you know, and if you've been at Aberdeen's assistant, Kilmarnock as well big club uh, down south as well he, he's, he's been around and you know Saints the whole bit he, he's got bags and bags of experience and I can only see that standing him in good stead I think we'll we'll better get much more of a grip Sean when we start to see players sign rather than just mm-hmm. ones released yeah. I mean I must admit I'm, we've gone over this for the last couple of years I'm not I don't mean this as a criticism for Kami Kerr far, far <coughs> from it he's one of the good guys all the rest of it 
I don't know. I just think Cammy wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't getting a game in the championship. And I just, I've just thought for him and possibly even for for Tony Doherty that this could have been the time for for them him to do something different, you know. But maybe it. I, I I'm kind of the of the opinion with Cammy that if he if he if he was going to go, he should yeah. have done it. A contract to go. I agree well, with him. Arguably, too. I think it's. Uh, I think he's he's at Dundee for the for the duration. Now that'll be it. You'll see out his career there. Yeah, uh, it's about. You know, I I just think if you're if you're not the first choice fullback in the championship, and I think it's a, it is a it's a lovely idea, guy starting starting and finishing at the one club and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, but. I suppose if if who am I to say if Cammy Kerr's happy to be a, a squad mm-hmm. man at the club he loves, who am I to argue with? That's I suppose you know maybe maybe yeah. I'm looking too deeply into it. There we go, you know, but I don't I don't think he'll be a starting fullback for Dundee in the Premiership as long as they are there or consistently. Well, you, would, you would you would imagine that that, um, that given that the deal was signed subsequent to to Tony Doherty coming in, that he's you know he's cast an eye over that and said mm-hmm. yeah that's fine with me. I'm well, happy to have him in my squad. You would yeah, think. I w- you would think. We don't know, do we? We yeah, don't know. Would, I mean, we don't you would know imagine so. You would imagine so, though. Yeah, but yeah. So all all will be f- become clearer when when the new signings start to come in, which you would you which let's face it, there's, there's going to be a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Jim, moving on to Saints. What was your? Uh, you haven't you haven't seen any of their games while you've been on the boat, but no, they um, they finished the season very very strongly, and Steve McLean got the job. Permanently, I've I said from the start that I've always thought he was more a man. I mean, he does coaching, but I've always thought he was more a manager than a coach. Mm-hmm. And he certainly isn't shying away from big decisions, is he? Let's face it. You know, he is both in terms of he start. I mean, you were you were away when when he played Cami Ballantyne yeah. from nowhere in the biggest game of Saints season away at Kilmarnock, and it turned. He came up smelling of roses, both player and manager. You know, Remy Matthews went back down the road early so Ross Sinclair could get a chance in goals. And now David Wotherspoon is one of the ones that released and he said to Theo Bear, he, well, he cut Theo Bear out of his squad for the last two and basically said, and then we, we then saw he was on the transfer list. It's big mm-hmm. decision after big decision from uh, from Stephen McLean, isn't it? Well, and I think he's, he's right to make all these decisions because he's got to. I mean, he, he, he's probably propelled into management at a level that he might not have expected. I mean, he, you know, it's a great gig to land the St. Johnson manager's job from, from where he's been as a coach. You know, know that in the greater scheme of things, know that long mm-hmm. finishing his career as a player and a very great, you know, a very, very good, great career as a player, you know. Um, you know, he... he He's an intriguing character. He's the opposite of, of Callum, isn't he? Callum was quite kind of shy and retiring yeah. sometimes and all the rest of it. Quite deep, introspective. Uh, McLean as a player. and, and now He's, he's much more like Tommy. Mu- he's much more Absolutely. like Tommy. Much more, much more engaged and all the rest of it. Knows his mind. It's not suggesting Callum didn't, but he knows his mind. And, and he's gone, you know, if you take some of the decisions he made, the Bear one, I think, is interesting. Well, I was never overly captured by, by Bear, I have to say. No. Murray Davidson. Yeah. Murray... No, uh, M- M- Murray 
We know that Murray was done by January, wasn't he? He knew himself, the body. Yeah, yeah. 14 years of toil at the kind of cold face, just, yeah. you know, hardly being able to get up, you know, in, in the mornings. I mean, that that's what happens to you. So, that, you know, that that's a combination of him making the decision uh, uh, and I suppose the manager. But uh, the one I suppose that surprised and shocked and horrified some uh, some Saints fans was, was David Wotherspoon going. Now, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's where you have to look at the, how tough you have to be. As a manager, you have to make decisions which will displease fans. It'll dis maybe displease a player, displease a whole load of people. But you know, it's your night. I'll be on the chalk block. You've got to think of the kind of game you want to play. You want. To, I saw your piece the other day, Eric, talking about you know high pressing game. He wants to play with lots of energy, lots of tempo. That is at the um, heart of it. You know, yeah, he's uh, uh, no. McLean's cut sentiment right out, isn't he? he and he's just, he's just looked and thought, this guy, I want to play this way. Yeah. This would be the position I I see Spoonie mm -hmm. in. And he doesn't anymore have the characteristics to, to do, do that. what I want in that position. I think so it's I, as I think it's as cut and dried as that. I, I think so. And of course, what it does is it frees up a wage bill to bring in a player who can do that. You know, I mean, you can't you cannot keep a player simply with a sentiment. Now that's, and, and, and by St Johnson's standards, and not an, an insubstantial <clears throat> one either. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, in, in Saints terms, I mean, I don't know what David will be on, but it'll be a very decent screw, as right, they say. Been, you know. been there and, a decade. Yeah. Mm. And by the way, he's worth every penny of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Done. And I also don't think he'll be short of a short of a club. I think, I, I did wonder if he might have kind of continued in some kind of coaching role. Um, but sometimes, you you know, he, he, he's also, he's a big figure. He's, he maybe, you know, maybe kind of... I don't mean relegating him, but putting him in a, almost like a junior role, having gone from being a very senior player. But you've got to look at everything. You've got to look at the amount of appearances he's made, his injury status, the minutes played, um, you know, his assists, the whole bit. That's where the stats come into and their own, I think, in the modern game. You can you can sit down all these things at your your fingertips or the, the guy on the staff that, that does all that kind of work. You can go, all through, go through all of that. And then you look at the kind of game that he now wants St. Johnson to play then the the Wotherspoon um, the Wotherspoon element didn't fit into his plans, so he's gone. And I don't think David will be uh, uh, will be with you know be without a club very long. I, I must admit, I did wonder if he might end up at Dens Park. You know that, that kind of that went through my mind. You know, um, don't know, don't know. I mean, he, I, I really don't think that he will be without a club for a while. But I mean, um, Steve McLean is obviously making the big decisions. He, he, he's making them. Um, I hesitate to say brutally because you know you've got to make big decisions. The key thing for him is to put a football club, um, a winning football team uh, on the park. And, and he set about that quite quickly. So people know immediately he's his own man, he knows his own mind. And um, and so far, it's hard to... I mean, the, the biggest quibble, uh, actually, I think about David Wotherspoon going on is the kind of ham-fisted way St. Johnston announced it. You know, I mean, I think for a guy who's, who's, who's played uh, such a major part, I mean, arguably... You know, arguably the best mm -hmm. player in the club's history, or most influential. Um, to, to have kind of thrown it away in a press release, at the, you know, at the bottom of a press release, I think kind of uh, wasn't as dignified as it might have been. Let's just put it that way, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, what's your gut reaction to it all, Sean? I mean, it's 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 fun. I mean, I wasn't expect. I was. I would have, even though I knew that Stephen McLean was making a lot of bold decisions, and that, mm -hmm. I didn't think it was certain that. That Wotherspoon would would get a new deal. No. I was I was leaning on that. I I thought he would get another year just I because well. it would you know they think oh, look maybe the summer yeah. he'll, you know pep him up and all the rest of it after yeah. the World Cup and get himself back for that long injuries etc. But mm -hmm. he didn't do it, so it's still 
I suppose it might not feel as a consolation to, to, to Spoonie just now, but to still have the power to shock that you're not being kept on yeah. <laughs> tells you tells you where we are. But it, it did it did have the power to shock, didn't it? When that it dropped, did. absolutely. Yeah, I I mean I thought he I thought he was he was worth another year. Um, and I, I, I tend to be. I mean, we have to acknowledge first of all that you know he has had. I mean, this past season has been a bit of a a bit of a mess, really. I mean, he was injured for a good bit of it, and then fighting to get back in time for the World Cup. He went away to the World Cup, which you know took up a a good month, a couple of months ish, round about that. Yeah, um, made one sub appearance, came back. And then we 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 didn't really see him again. It didn't happen. Um, it didn't happen. <clears throat> no, and and he did come on from the bench from time to time, but but that was it. He never really got a run. He never he never got a run in the side. Never started, and I think that was frustrating. But when he did come on, he didn't really seize his chance either. Um, so I I don't think last season. Um, I don't think it, it's a particularly fair reflection of of, of his. What his career has been like at St Johnston, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't vintage like it. by yeah, any yeah, stretch. Like so I mean, I I was kind of the opinion that you know, get my get my a proper pre season in when he's fit, get it in him, and I think he's probably got another year left in the engine yet uh, at that level um, for us. But obviously, uh, Steve McLean thinks differently, um, and he sees he sees more of the player than I do. So it's difficult for me to argue that case, other than other than along sentimental lines. Um, but I mean, I I think there's room for a little bit of sentiment oh, <laughs> in this yeah. in this game. So I I certainly would have been uh, I, I would have kept him for another year. And to me, I think I said this to you yesterday. He, he, David Wotherspoon strikes me as as one of those characters, like like Murray Davidson, like Liam Craig, like Stephen McLean, for instance. These guys who who have been around the place for years, but you would want to keep them around because there's there's something that they bring you, you know, even if they're not playing every week, they provide, they, they add to the tone of the place, if you like. Mm. The, Stevie the May is the last one now, isn't he? Stevie May will yeah. be the last, apart from Steve McLean himself, Stevie May will be the last link yeah. to the, the 2014 team mm-hmm. because, you know, Michael O'Halloran, <laughs> he's gone. He's mm-hmm. going as well and mm-hmm. it's different because we knew he was going he yeah. didn't play. He, well, he really didn't play, and then no, he, he went out and loaned. So that was no shot. Another guy with three three winners' medals mm-hmm. in his back pocket, leaving McDermott Park. Yeah, aye, absolutely. It's it's the, the links to that time are, are, are disappearing. But as I say, I, I I kind of was of the opinion that Spoonie was one of these guys that you 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 know in an ideal world you would keep about. But then we don't live in an ideal world, do we? And um, if uh, and if Stephen McLean's looking at building his first proper squad that he's going to be building, and you know he's got to do what he, he can, he's got to stretch that money as far mm-hmm. as he can stretch it. And if if the choice is between you know I keep spooning around here on a on a healthy wage, but you know he's probably not going to play every week, uh, sort of thing, or you know we can say thank you very much for your service, we'll give you a testimonial, and then out the door and, and bring someone else in. Then that's fine, but uh, yeah, I think as Jim says, it, it could have been handled better. The uh, Sean, before we move back to Jim, we don't know who's getting kept yet, so it's hard to say where do you where do you want to see Saints strengthen. But I think I would 
just as a broad brush at the moment, I'd definitely a goalkeeper. Whether mm-hmm. depending on, I would be give Ross Sinclair a league cup, and then you can kind of you, you, they've, they've got the luxury to leave that one a bit later. Then then they can mm-hmm. think, is it a is it just a is it a guy in his mid thirties to be back up for Ross Sinclair who's yeah. happy to do that, or are you bringing in another Remy Matthews to basically? So we we will see where that one goes. I think I'd be leaning to the former just now. I think we we, we give give Ross Sinclair a proper I think we proper go place. at it, and then yeah. potentially review it in January if, if if that has to happen. Yeah, full back will depend. They want to keep Montgomery certainly. James mm, Brown, I yeah. think, is worthy of a. I mean, if, of a contract I, if right it, back. Montgomery in particular, I mean, he as the season's gone on, it's got better and better. So I, I mean, I, I think you do he's your damnedest to terrific. do that. Yeah. If you can get him back, they'll have done very well to do so, and you would take him. Centre, I think they'll probably need a centre half. Um, yeah. I think midfield wise, we'll we'll wait and see. I think that's probably mm. where they've got the most numbers, but poten- mm. potentially one, depending on how Berg goes, um, and a striker. That's that's mm-hmm. so. Um, that's that's where I'm working off just now. What you think? You, you would think that the the well, Bears obviously been made available for transfer. So it becomes about whether anybody's going to take them or that's, that's I mean, if anybody's, I mean, Somebody God bless ought. them, but if, if anyone's been scouting them, then uh, they might have put them off. I think they'll stay in, <laughs> in Canada or, or North America, you know, I think that's yeah. probably the best, I think the pace of, from what, I, from what I've been told, and we've seen it umpteen times, when when Gallum was reporting and and. and Stephen McLean latterly, you know, he's played mm-hmm. really well in another bounce game, mm-hmm. and you almost feel, you almost feel, oh no, I don't want to write this again because folk are thinking, you know, come on, this this guy, why why is it not happening? Mm-hmm. But by all accounts, he did do very well in bounce games, mm-hmm. and Jim is just a, a player, and there's been loads of them down the years that they just that that bit of a step up that in extra, pace yeah. and intensity that you get from playing in closed doors matches to playing in the, the Scottish Premiership, eh, some can't bridge it. And I think yeah, he's probably one of them. That, that's right, Eric. I mean, the game is is littered, you know, the history of the game is littered with great training ground players. G- guys that, that, that you know, um, that are just magnificent. Your fellow pros will say on the training ground, you can do things that are just outrageous. But whether, it, you know, whether... You know, the big nerves take over when you're playing in front of a crowd with the pressure, whatever it is. A lot of players just simply cannot perform um, on the day in the team and, and hold in a regular place, you know, when it comes to actual match days. So, and, and frankly, you, you know, you, you cannot persevere with that. You, you need people who can actually do it on the pitch. I mean, I'm kind of looking at the Saints, you know, the Saints here. I'd got it slightly wrong. I thought it was a dozen that had gone, but looking at it, there's actually 14 now, including, I wasn't, a, I was sort of not really counting Murray Davidson because he's retired, but. Between you know bit part players and all the rest of it, there's 14 in total gone from the squad. So there's a major rebuilding job here. It uh, 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 says you know I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at United and thinking big job for, for Jim Goodwin there. Tony Doherty's starting with a, a fresh sheet, but there's actually a big big job ahead for Steve McLean as well, isn't there? You know when you between pair you know the players about is it five six returning their their parent club and then Murray going and then about six mm-hmm. or seven that haven't you know that, that haven't had the contracts renewed. Um, there's a major rebuilding. Uh, job to to be done there, and it, it's, it's going to be pretty. They tough. need a tighter squad this time. I think. I yeah, think this yeah, suits them. Yeah, I too, think they were too. too you know, it did for mm. Callum in the end. It was yeah. it was too bloated, and there was, you know, he just <clears throat> he, he couldn't he couldn't for a for that crucial middle chunk of the season. He just 
didn't know his best mm. and, and players frankly players weren't helping him make his mind up you know and no, uh, that's right. just I think it'll serve it'll serve Saints well to be a leaner squad and you know incentivize the the ones like Ballantyne, Kushiravi and those mm. that have got a proper proper avenue into into the yeah. first team so it's a it's um, a difficult one Eric because I mean I, I like the idea a kind of thinner leaner squad when you've got if you've got the right squad of guys it's brilliant they're all pulling for each other there's a real kind of team ethos there's no any wee cliques in the dressing room the, the alternative of that is sometimes it gives players a now you look around and go well you know you know we need 11 we need what, five seven mm-hmm. on the bench who's he going to pick if he doesn't have me I might be on the bench but I'll still be in and about you know um, I, I think that's where the key thing is getting absolutely the right players to fit A the system the style of football you want to play um, at the pace and all the rest of it uh, which I think we can see where Steve McLean's going with that but you want the kind of right kind of players so if you go to that I think a, a thin lean squad is brilliant it's long as you don't come across a clutch of injuries, of course, you know. Um, but I think, by and large, it's probably the way to go. And it, budget, budget-wise, it's probably the way to go as well. And it makes a manager's job easier. If he's got the right kind of players, with the right attitude, determination, or the rest of it, you're not then sitting and thinking, God, we've got 23, 24 to pick from. Um, who, are gonna, who are we going to make unhappy by leaving mm-hmm. out, you know? Here's one bit of positivity on St. Johnson, uh, if we're going to sign off soon. But Chris Kane, mm. I thought he was, uh, his little cameo... Uh, at the weekend yeah. there I thought it was brilliant mm. because you know we haven't seen him in such a long time and he comes on and he is exactly the nuisance yeah, that, you, that you remember that. him yeah, yeah. Into boys and that. Yeah. Yeah. winning free kicks all of that stuff he looked after the ball well as well he was exactly the player that we remembered and uh, that was really really heartening I thought seeing mm. him Back in and clearly in loving being back on the pitch as well. Yeah. So him, uh, I mean, he's going to be a huge bonus next yeah. season too. And, and still a decent age. I mean, he's only what is yeah. 20, oh, twenty-eight yes. now. So you still, you no, know, to have the ability yes. to oh. use him and Clark as yeah, interchange, not not as a partnership, but yeah, and to have mm. and then one more, and he's got a bit of a luxury, so then he can he can, yeah, one and Stevie May obviously. So you've. If you get one more striker in, that's a, that's a good four to mix. Yeah, you can see an intelligence forming up there on that line. That's, that's an intelligent, a really potentially intelligent forward line, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think as though I, you're, I know where you're coming from with the numbers, Jim. But I think I think Stephen McLean will quite like that. I think I think mm. it'll be in terms of actual. But if he brings back Montgomery, you know, there's a couple of the ones that will get. There's two or three of the ones I'll get. I think Brown will hopefully mm-hmm. sign. I think, like you say, Kane will probably sign. My, I'd be guessing about five incoming. Sean, does that feel about right for you? Yeah, yeah, probably does. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'd like to see some of these boys getting pen and paper sooner rather than later. Like your Chris Kane, for instance. Mm-hmm. Let's get that one done, shall mm-hmm. we? Yeah, it shouldn't be the that you would like to think that shouldn't be the hardest one to do in the world. Yeah, but yeah, said they're back not. for pre-season. Quite, you know, I, I can't remember. I don't think I've, did. Did I get told the date? If it, if I did, it's gone out of my head. But it's, right. it's, it's it's not far away. No, won't be. No, I think by the time we do the next podcast, I think there'll be plenty of signings. Certainly, a Dundee. I think United will hit the ground. They'll start to bring boys in quickly. You know yeah. that that uh, that road from Paisley to. This <laughs> <laughs> Andrews will be well, will be well trodden. I would imagine. Tony Watt. Eh, oh, no, listen, we'll, we'll oh, speak about Tony Watt. He just came in. Podcast on his own. He's he's, uh, he's getting he's getting 
popping up on social media a lot again. What do we do with Tony? Well, anyway, right, come on, not not for today, but listen, thanks, boys, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.